0: Hello, Monetization Nation. Podcasts are becoming increasingly popular. 37% of the U.S. population, 104 million people, listen to podcasts at least every month. Source podcasthosting.org. That's millions of people we can reach every month. Jeff Mendelsohn is the host of the One Big Tip podcast. In today's episode, Jeff and I will discuss the benefits of running a podcast, along with tips for working with virtual assistants and communicating value in pricing. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Jeff also runs a full service digital marketing agency where he works with developing comprehensive digital marketing campaigns for startups to establish businesses. He focuses on lead generation and ROI based initiatives. Jeff is based in Miami, Florida, but works worldwide. He helps entrepreneurs conceptualize, develop, and then execute all-encompassing digital marketing strategies, sales funnels, paid campaigns, and getting the right people and disciplines in place. With over 15 years of continuous digital marketing experience in all formats, Jeff is a wealth of information of what works and what doesn't in the digital marketing space. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Nathan, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, could you start off by telling us something that you're
1: super passionate about? Something that I'm super passionate about. Jeez, you had to start with that one, huh? Um, I uh, launched my podcast uh, again last year, uh, right before COVID in December 2019. And, you know, I think it was Steve Larson that basically says like, you know, just, you know, do whatever you want in terms of, uh, you know, of trying to level up and all that, but just publish for a year and then you'll see the change and how it'll change you. And that's what I've been doing. And it's just been taking me in all kinds of great directions, all kinds of new revelations. I guess the biggest thing is that I'm just so mad. I didn't do this like five or 10 years ago. Right. That I was just like, why do I, you know, why do I need a podcast? Why do I need this? Why do I need that? You know? And it's like, dude, like now I'm all about it and I'm, you know, I'm ready to kill it and really help other people to do it as well.
0: Yeah. So, you, so you did that challenge that Steve, that Russell initially made that Steve took that challenge and it transformed Steve's life. So I'm in the middle of that challenge right now. I am doing my daily show for a year and, um, oh, wow. and, uh, so, so tell me about some of the benefits that, that publishing every day for a year, uh, caused in your life.
1: There is no better networking tool, COVID or not COVID in podcasting, right? Because think about it now with all these extra communication tools that we have, you know, that we can zoom together, that we can uh, Microsoft Teams together, or we could just WhatsApp together, you know, whatever it is, right? The world is so small. I mean, I got interviewed by a British guy located in Doha, Qatar, right? All places. And it was a great interview. Right. And it was just a great uh, situation. It, you know, and I just keep on going back to how would I ever have met these people without it? Right. It's like, you know, I'm an introvert already, as it is. I'm a wallflower at conventions. I'm, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm not a bragging type of guy. Right. And also for me, you know, just to do a podcast by myself, it's like, you know, please shoot me now. Right. <laughs> it's like there's, there's nothing harder right? But once I get in front of, uh, you know, speaking with somebody like, you know, we can talk about this all day. And I think that's really the biggest benefit is, um, you know, the way that you can, uh, uh, you know, establish and control the conversation that you want to have with people. And also, it's a great non-pressure invitation to speak with really interesting people who maybe would not have readily spoken with you Otherwise, right. You know, if you go up to it, you know, you see him and you recognize them at a shopping mall, you know, and it's like, Hey, I want to talk to you. Yeah. You ain't got time for that. Right. But if you go and, uh, you know, invite them onto the show and talk about something that you have a mutual interest about, all of a sudden it becomes this really great, you know, this really
0: great conversation. And the reason why they're willing to come on the show is because you're providing them value because they're getting exposure to your audience. It's, it's a, a good reciprocity. Okay, go ahead. Give your example.
1: It is, it, Yeah, it's a great reciprocity. And I think that, you know, what I was going to say is, you know, just take a look at my background, right? You know, it's like, I, I don't allude to it. I don't talk about it at all. But anyone who knows what a lightsaber is, is going to nerd out with me about Star Wars for the next 15 minutes, you know, yeah. simply because it's like, dude, where'd you get that? How it looks so real? Does it work? You know, like all that stuff, right? And it's just a great connection tool. Right. It's just a great way to, you know, to connect with people and, you know, being a guest and also hosting people. It's like you have a direct connection to the top, right? You interview a CEO of the company, you bypassed all the gatekeepers, you bypassed all the VPs or directors or whoever it is. You talk to the source of the information and now you're connected that, you know, that person knows you on a first name basis. And that for me is like
0: mind blown. Yeah, I love it. All right, um, let's talk about virtual assistants for a minute. What tips and secrets do you have for us about effectively working with virtual assistants? And and this becomes more and more important as we work remotely and, and do our run our remote businesses.
1: I love this topic because I've been working with uh, with uh, virtual people for pretty much the the length of my career, and. What's interesting about it is that uh, you know, there are a couple of popular movies where American Guy flies to India, doesn't uh, fit into the culture over there and needs to build up a big thing. It, is not, it it is like that, but it's also not like that. And I think that for people like us that want to hire someone remote, right, first of all, it's a little bit of a mindset shift. So the way I describe it is this, and it's, and it's really quite simple. I don't care whether you're across the street or halfway around the world you are remote to me, right? Uh, You know, at the end of the day, you are a four inch square on my screen and that's it, right? That's all, you know, that's all I have to, um, you know, that I have to connect with you. What happens is that when you lose that ability to have coffee with somebody, sit down and break bread with them, you need to be super clear and over communicate, right? Right. You just need to make sure that whatever it is is going on in your head, whatever your wants and desires and your aesthetic and your, you know, the chemistry that you need to work with somebody, it has got to be, it has got to be on point and you have to be able to communicate it. And that does not matter whether you're working with someone in Argentina, in the Ukraine, in India, Philippines, doesn't matter. You have to be able to to communicate that. Then once you figured out who the, um, you know, who the indicated person is, you need to make sure that you're giving them the type of work that is both interesting to them. And that, of course, they can do and that they can, they can uh, succeed at, I think, um, you know, and I'm oversimplifying this a little bit. But I think the other, uh, the last thing is that, you know, these people are not going to be working, you know, the same 10 to six, you know, Eastern time hours that you are, right? So, you know, someone in India, they're 10 hours ahead of me, right? So I have to make sure that I get in all of my requests before I shut down for the evening and my requests or whatever it is that I'm giving them needs to be clear enough that they can work independently because they are going to be doing this when it's two, three in the morning, my time, right? So the work that I get back the next day needs to be, you know, it needs to be on point. I take full responsibility when my VAs don't perform the way they're supposed to. I think it's, um, I think it's 80 to 90% on me for not training them correctly. If after training them correctly, they still don't get it. Yes. That's a problem. Right. But there are many ways to do that. You can record yourself with loom or, or with, um, or with screenflow, you know, just whatever it is you were doing and you want to pass off to them, record it, annotate it, you know, put it out there, make it you know make sure that they can get the um, you know the gist of what it is that you're trying to do. make them write the standard operating procedure for you know for the task that you're asking them to do. So we talked a little bit about podcasts, right so you know as well as anybody you know one episode requires a whole bunch of different steps that needs to happen. Some of those you're gonna do, some of those you're gonna pass off to your virtual assistant, right? And um, you need to make sure that they understand not only the why, why are we doing this, but the how, how do you get it done? And once you have that in place and you have that structure set up, step one, step two, step three, step four. I mean, my podcast episodes, I think on my, my, uh, my task management program, I use teamwork. Um, I think it's like 25 to 30 steps that uh, somebody somebody's hands touches you know each episode between the social media quote cards between the blog post between the posting it putting it on buzz sprout all of that stuff needs to get done and needs to get cross checked so it's real important that you communicate and if not over communicate over communicate so that they know exactly what to do and how to do it and how to capture any anomaly with that may happen
0: yeah yeah, I completely agree. I've been working in India for more than 20 years with, with uh, team members there and, and I, I love it. it. It's so nice to be able to leave for the day and they work on it for the night and we usually have overlap for an hour or two in the morning and, and uh, it's very effective. I love the work ethic. I, I find that I can keep people longer, uh, longevity of employees. There, there's a lot of benefits to, to running those, those remote teams. Okay. Talk to me about the greatest home run you've hit in your career.
1: The one I'm most proud of is when I closed a quarter million dollar deal on an airplane. So oh. um, I'll give you a, a on an airplane. So I was working, this is the nineties now. All right. So just let's set the, uh, yeah, you know, let's set the stage a little bit. I'm dating myself here too. So I was on an airplane that had those phones that were in the back of the seat you know before we had tvs in the back seat we had an actual phone so what happened i was working for a uh, for a company that provided uh software that that airlines use to communicate you know to do reservations and things like that we were selling to aero mexico and mexicana airlines i was based in mexico city at the time and what happened was I was instrumental in putting together a deal for the, uh, you know, for the two airlines because they were in a, because they were in a partnership. Right before takeoff, I got a beep, right? You know, remember beepers, right? So I get a beep saying, you got to call me, you know, you got to call me urgently, right? And like the the plane's lining up to take off. So I'm like, dude, like, all right, I got to take this. Slice the credit card, pick up the phone, calling them up. And apparently there was one critical, you know, there was one critical thing that they didn't, uh, you know, that they didn't understand. It was about to tank the deal. And for the next 45 minutes that it took me to, you know, on this flight, I'm convincing them out of it, telling them everything's going to be all right. And we're going to make sure everything happens. And they were like, okay, yeah, it's great. We'll have the contract signed today. So I'm like, okay, great. Thank you very much. You know, we're coming in for a landing. I hung up the phone, the whole plane. (laughs) erupted and erupted in applause simply because you know everyone heard me you know close this deal on the plane and I was like yes and that was that was actually my moment when I realized I did not want to be a programmer anymore I did not want to be the technician you know just you know fingers on keyboard doing things I wanted to be out there making stuff happen and that was that was the pivotal moment for me where I realized that my career
0: changed and you know just completely I love it. Tell me about the biggest mistake or failure you've had in your career and what did you learn from it?
1: Okay. All right. That's interesting. The biggest mistake I would say, I would say that the biggest mistake, um, you know, that I've made numerous times and I still sometimes make it uh, a little bit is on pricing right now. Now stay with me for a minute on this. When you price something out, basically what you're trying to do is, you, you know, you're trying to deliver a product that delivers more value to the person that you're selling to in comparison to the amount of money that they're going to pay you. Right. So say for example, you build them one sales funnel that's going to guarantee to make them a million dollars. Would, would you accept, you know, like $500 for building that funnel? Right. It's like, you know, the numbers just aren't there. Right. It's like, wait a second. I just, I just built something for you. That's going to, that's going to categorically change your life. And then you underprice it to the point where, they think that it has no value, right? Or they think that it's a, not something that, uh, you know, that not something that will get them to that mark. And I've made that mistake maybe about five or six times where I realized that I, uh, yeah, you know, that I undervalued something. And of course, you know, that uh, part of that comes within experience, right? Where you're all of a sudden you realize like, I just really undercharged this thing because I allocated, I don't know, 20 hours for the work and I ended up putting in a hundred to it you know, that's bad. But then again, you know, I'm a businessman of my word. I, uh, you know, if I tell you it's going to be a certain way, I will break my head until I get it done. Right. On the flip side of that, when you overcharge someone, right, that can have the exact same effect. You know, they'll just be like, yeah, you're too expensive. And I can't, uh, you know, and I can't deal with it. And um, what happens in those cases is that it really teaches you to sort of hone in on on first of all, what am I worth? You know, like how much can I charge for a particular product? But also it really makes you think like, maybe I didn't sell the value well enough, right? And that that I think is a whole, you know, just a whole big discussion in and of itself that, you know, and it's a skill, it's a skill that needs to be learned. So that not only that you're, you know, because there is competition, right? You know, it's like, I'm not necessarily scared of competition. I mean, especially in web development or in paid ads or in, you know, any kind of digital agency stuff, you know, there's a million guys like me, you know, just in, you know, just in the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. Right. You know, and then compared to all around the world, like, you know, we're all basically doing the same thing. At the end of the day, someone is going to either love to work with me or they're just going to be, eh, I don't like this guy. You know, for some reason, they don't like my voice. They don't like my face. I'm toxic. Right. That's fine. Move on. Right. But I need to make sure that I am delivering the most amount of value for the prices that I'm charging. And my biggest mistakes are when I lose those deals based on price. That for me is, you know, I just feel the dumbest person ever when I lose a deal based on that factor alone.
0: Yep. Okay. So biggest mistake are pricing mistakes. And to restate, it sounds like one of the biggest pricing mistakes is losing the deal because we didn't effectively communicate value. We didn't sell based upon value. Okay. All right. Talk to me about your number one top monetization secret.
1: Number one monetization secret. So the best way to uh, the best way to describe this, I would say, is I. And this is something I see a lot. When I, you know, I still get a lot of calls, even though I don't do this so much anymore. I don't really build websites for businesses anymore, because at the end of the day, r- what they're asking for is a brochure, right? You know, which is no different than a piece of paper folded three times that you hand out at a convention.
0: Yeah.
1: When what they really need is a sales funnel or a lead generation funnel, right? And, uh, you know, when you put together a plan, you know, for a business, you really have to communicate that your website is effectively your store. You know, it's what people see. It's no different than when you're walking through a shopping mall and you see, you know, like a sign over there and you, you know, you walk in. And ideally when you walk in, someone should be walking out, you know, with a bag because they actually bought something. I view websites and web presences the the exact same way. Now, the big difference is you need to be able to collect that lead as quick as possible. So my biggest uh, monetization secret would be to, uh, to sharpen up your call to action to make sure that you are collecting and nurturing that lead as quickly as possible. Now, the best ways to do that is to create a a landing page that does not have too much text on it or too much, you know, too much uh, you know, too much distractions going on, and running paid ads to it. Because if you try to do it organically or you think that all oh, people are just gonna gravitate towards this and they're gonna love to give me, you know, their their name and email address because because I'm super awesome, it really doesn't work like that. You really need some kind of hook to bring them in and you need to make some kind of offer. That, so, it could, so it could be a lead magnet, uh, you know, so a free ebook, a case study, or even to schedule a call. But you have to be able to communicate that very clearly so that you can get that information as quickly as possible from, some, uh, you know, from the person that's, that's looking at your website. So I would say that in order to do that, you need to learn the art of making an offer, making it as concise as possible, so that you can then nurture that uh, that lead later on into a medium or high ticket item that you're going to sell them
0: eventually. I love it. So make a great offer, have a lead magnet of some type that you give away, and then capture the lead and nurture the lead um, until the the person until we built our credibility and the person is is ready to make the purchase.
1: Exactly because you know if you try if you go too high. You know, like if you try to sell a high ticket uh, item and you don't have that credibility and you don't have that authority to say, well, you know, this is why I deserve, you know, for you to put, you know, $5,000 on a credit card right now, it's, it's not gonna, it's not going to work very well. So it's real important to nurture that lead so that people understand that whoever it is, you know, that if they're dealing with you, they know exactly that, okay. This is how it's going to, you know, this is how it's going to work. This is the value that they're going to give me and they're going to support me along the journey. All of that. You need to make sure that your offer is
0: sound. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, we can reach millions of people with podcasts. Number two, podcast guests are a great way to network. Number three, podcasts are also a great way to have conversations with people that we may not have been able to otherwise. We can interview and get to know CEOs instead of VPs or directors. Number four, when working with VAs, we need to over-communicate, especially when there's a big time difference. Number five, we can use tools to help us communicate effectively, as well as having standard operating procedures in place. Number six, underpricing can make our product or service seem like it has no value. Overpricing can scare away potential customers. We should try to find a happy medium. Number seven, with our pricing, we need to make sure we are accurately communicating our value. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Jeff or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his website, JeffMendelson.com or his podcast, OneBigTip.com. And there's links to those websites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can subscribe to the free Monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast or YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. How could a podcast help your business? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. I wish you success in growing your podcast. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.